Hi, I'm Tedra Meyer, Vermont Edition producer, and I wanted to let you know that the podcast you're about to listen to has been edited for clarity and brevity. Thanks for listening and enjoy. This is Vermont Edition. I'm Michaela Lefrac. If you live in a small town in Vermont, chances are there's a white steepled church in the middle of your town. If not, there's probably one nearby. But how many people do you know who attend that church every week? A recent poll by the Pew Research Center shows that the number of Americans who identify as Christian is falling from 75% a decade ago to 63% today. And it's not just churches. Congregations at some synagogues and other houses of worship are also shrinking. But the decision about what to do with the buildings themselves can be fraught. Seven Days reporter Rachel Hellman recently wrote a story about the state's houses of worship, called Vermont's Old Churches Offer Potential for New Enterprises If They're Not Demolished First. She joins us this hour to discuss her reporting. Rachel, welcome. Thank you so much. We're also joined today by Ron Wanamacher, the acting director of Preservation Burlington, a historic building technician and exhibit builder at Shelburne Museum. Ron, welcome. Welcome. Thanks for having me. And uh, as you described it to me, you could also be called a, uh, a old buildings carpenter guy. <laughs> sure, yeah. Old, old house guy. <laughs> yeah. Now, Rachel, first, what got you interested in this topic? Yeah, well, I think what kind of led to this story speaks more broadly to what's happening. Um, we just kept on getting tips about churches that were being repurposed or, um, you know, some controversy around churches being demolished. Um, and, you know, as someone who primarily reports on Vermont small towns, I'm always looking for um, stories that kind of go across the whole state. And this is clearly something that is affecting a broad array of Vermonters in very different ways. Um yeah, and, and thinking about, you know, community and these these kind of broader topics as well and how churches fit into that is really interesting. So it seemed like a great opportunity to dig into those topics. Right. And and as you went around the state doing your reporting, I'm, I'm sure you saw, as many of us do every day, that churches um, and houses of worship really are at the center of so mm-hmm. many towns, right? Yeah, exactly. And that, I think, is really interesting. There are just so many churches in Vermont. And when you think about... Um, when, you know, the, the state was first being kind of built up, uh, there was primarily horse and buggies were the way to get around. So you would have a church every two miles. Um, and so now there's a plethora of churches around the state. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, decreasing, uh, you know, attendance. So these spaces are being used less, but they're still there and, and they often hold a very near and dear value to towns, um, as well as being centrally located, which is great for community gathering. Right, right. Now, now, Vermont, I recently learned, is is regularly ranked as one of the least religious states in the country. And during the pandemic, of course, church attendance across the country saw a pretty significant drop. Um, I read that according to Gallup, church membership in the U.S. dropped below 50 percent for the first time in 2020. Now, Rachel, in your conversations with church leaders and community members, did you hear similar stories about declining attendance? Yeah, definitely. And I think what I heard was this is a, you know, as you mentioned, multi-year trend, but the pandemic really pushed things even further. Um, Now with the opportunity to remotely attend uh, religious services, a lot of people are continuing to do that um, post-pandemic. And that means that these spaces are just, um, you know, being used less. Um, So yes, while religiosity is down, um, there's also just less attendance, um, which is a whole different 
kind of set of cards. Right, right. Now, yeah. now Ron, you are, are intimately familiar with many of the churches and houses of worship um, around the state, and particularly in, in Chittenden County. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, um, I, I mean, I know that there's so many different ways that a house of worship could look or be constructed, but I think there are some common types, right? Like when we talk about this, like the little white church, um, right, what, right. what are we talking about? Yeah, that about? sort of vernacular New England white church that everybody knows with the steeple. Right. And then, of course, there's the, the Gothic style and Gothic revival churches are all throughout from the mid to later 1800s uh, throughout. Often the vernacular ones in those white churches we see are a little bit earlier, uh, late 1700s sometimes and early 1800s. Um, yeah. So as you can see, like Almost all these churches, which we have so many of them, they're historic buildings. They're, uh, they tell a story about the towns they're in, and um, as they're underutilized, uh, they're, they're, a lot of them are at risk, you know. Right. Now, um, Ron, you are uh, the acting director of Preservation Burlington. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what that organization does? Sure. It's a uh, 501c3 not-for-profit organization, and our mission is uh, education and advocacy. So we uh, are in primary. We're in Burlington, and we do a house marker program. We do a homes tour. Um, always looking for beautiful homes to put on the homes tour once a year, and. Um, and largely the advocacy is to d defend neighborhoods or buildings or, or different aspects of community life in Burlington. Hmm. Now, um, we know that there is a major housing shortage in Vermont, um, and it seems like, you know, you have you have a big old building, a church that isn't being used anymore. Why not just turn it into a couple of apartments? But that is much easier said than done, right? Like, Ron, could you tell us some of the the difficulties of, of repurposing um, perhaps like the classic little white church yeah, uh, into you know, housing. It's funny. I think I was, I was thinking last night about some projects. I've worked on a lot of churches um, around the state. And, and in Charlotte, there's a small, I think it was a Catholic church, but it's been a residence for a really long time. And the, it's a relatively small church, you know, so a larger one you could maybe carve up into different spaces, but they're, they're awkwardly built in the sense that it's a big grand space often with uh, balconies around. So fitting that into housing can be challenging unless it's small and it's a single family house, then it's very quirky, you know, stained glass windows and, and, and everything else. Right. And, and Rachel, I, I know they, that there were a couple of churches in your reporting that where community members were thinking about turning into housing, but, but came up with some, um, some barriers there. Can you talk us through what you heard? Yeah, I think exactly what you're kind of pointing to, depending on the um, shape of the space, there's different challenges when it comes to actually, you know, making best use of it. But what was really interesting is that um, because of the central location of churches and the the large space they have inside, typically, they're really great for other repurposing. Um, and that was something that came up, you know, um, I've heard of art galleries. Um, there was one that in uh, Ferrisburg that could potentially be a child care center, which is fitting a really big need right now. Um, and of course, you know, community gathering, um, which I saw in Arlington. So yeah, it's because of the the space that's there, um, there's a lot of potential for other uses um, that communities can really take advantage of. Mm. Well, listeners, we want to hear from you this hour. Do you belong to a church or a house of worship that is planning to close or struggling to remain open? Do you have an opinion on whether a former church should be demolished or repurposed? 
past? And what do you think constitutes historical and worth preserving? You can join the conversation this hour. Give us a call at 800-639-2211 or email us at vermontedition at vermontpublic.org. Now, we received an email ahead of today's show from Earl, who is with the Church of the Good Shepherd in Barrie. And Earl writes, I believe that the land from old and declining churches should be given to the native peoples or used for reparations. All this should be done at no cost as a donation. However, let me be quick to say that there are thriving and active, growing congregations in Vermont serving their communities and the world. We raised almost $5,000 this weekend for Syrian and Turkish earthquake relief, and congregations in Montpelier and throughout the state are sheltering the homeless and feeding those in need. There's still a lot of life left in many Vermont in many Vermont church buildings. Uh, listeners, if you uh, empathize with what Earl is saying or agree or disagree, give us a call 800-639-2211. Well, let's dive into the specifics of one church that that really has been um, at the center of a lot of these conversations, which is the Church of the uh, Historic Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception in Burlington. Um, It was built in the late 70s, closed as a cathedral in 2018. Uh, Ron, first, before we get into the the back and forth about this church, can you just tell us a little bit about the building itself? Yeah, uh, the the thing that makes this church so significant is that it was it's an exa- uh, a perfect example of modern architecture and modern landscape, modern architecture landscape. So uh, Dan Urban Kiley was the landscape architect, uh, world renowned. And um, he he did the city center in West Palm Beach. I was just there for a conference. And then Lawrence Barnes was the architect that did the building. So they combined to make this amazing green space and this really interesting. It happened around the same time that the uh, Episcopal, the Brutalist Episcopal Church, which is only a few blocks away, um, happened. So there was this real movement in the 70s as churches burned down, you know, from fire and old building stuff that they would they were trying to address this modern wave of architecture. So that's the backstory. So that's why this it's significant because of the two architects that came together to work on this one space and, and create an amazing green space in downtown Burlington. Mm. And, and can you describe for someone who's never seen this church before, like physically, what does it look like? Uh, it's, you know, brutalist architecture is hard to defend and modernist architecture is almost I love as brutalism hard. but I know I am part of a very me small too. group of <laughs> me people. too and a lot of people That's don't like bias. modern architecture but this church is funky you know it's all roof it's mostly roof it's huge I think it's 14,000 square feet inside with the windows that are uh, you can't see through but they allow light in all the way around the perimeter and deep overhangs and then of course a large bell tower so it sits low in the property but the roof comes up in a in a big gracious space. And and of course, the other thing about these buildings and repurposing them for all kinds of community events is that they're designed for acoustics. I mean, we're in the studio here. We know how important acoustics are. So these buildings were made for somebody to stand here, talk, and everybody to hear them, you know. Right. Well, so so let's get into what the future of this building is. Uh, the, the diocese wants to demolish the cathedral and sell the property. Um, the city of Burlington issued a zoning permit to allow the cathedral to be demolished. Um, and your organization, Preservation Burlington, has sued to stop the demolition. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, mostly it's about you know disagreeing with the decision of the DRB. It was a split board. The Development Review the Board. The Development Review Board. Sorry, thank you. Um, 
Yeah, so we, we would like to just clarify that decision in, in court. And also, you know, it, it's sort of a – we're also filing a federal case because uh, in a sense, it's a First Amendment establishment clause issue where a church that owns the property but it's not an active church, uh, it gets a, a benefit. They're treated – uh, better than you or I would be. You know, they're getting an unfair advantage. So laws, zoning laws are supposed to be neutral. And in this case, they're not. So mm-hmm. we're asking that question. And we're, we're defending the fact that this church, although just under 50 years, is still significant and historic in its own right. Okay. And the, and the laws around preserving historic buildings say that the building needs to be at least 50 years old? Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a, it's based on the Secretary of Interior standards and guidelines and a bunch of the federal laws. The state statute, 4413, uh, says 50 years or older, and then all these other criteria. You know, on the federal level, it's or these other criteria. So a critical mass of criteria makes it eligible for, for listing in the National Register, say. Yeah. Um, so the state just says it has to be 50 years old. And we're saying, well, no, the federal rules are more pertinent and, and make right. more sense. Well, we reached out to the diocese ahead of today's show and asked them to join the show, um, but they declined. And we also spoke to the lawyer representing the the Catholic diocese in the lawsuit, John Franco. Um, and he also declined to come on the show, um, citing all of this ongoing litigation that we're discussing. But he did explain the church's stance to us. So I do want to share that briefly here. Uh, essentially, he told us city zoning ordinance defines historically significant as anything 50 years or older, and this building is less than 50 years old. Um, And he also argues that the church is being held to a different standard than other buildings that have been torn down, which goes against federal law. And he also noted that this process that the diocese has gone through around deconsecration of the church has been a three and a half year process that involved getting the Vatican's approval. Um, That that deconsecration process is is one that... um, was was really interesting for me to learn about. And, and Rachel, I'm wondering if you can kind of talk us through what you learned about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was one of the most interesting things to learn more about for this story. Um, so like broadly, deconsecration, which is, you know, kind of removing the sacrality of a building, um, involves mostly the removal of material items. So the objects used in communion, uh, the relics of saints and the altar stone. Um, but what's really interesting about that is that the interpretation of deconsecration is kind of different among Protestant and Catholics. So for Protestant, there's less of a literal interpretation. It's once these things are removed, that space is no longer sacred. Um, but for Catholics who you know have a more literal interpretation of the Eucharist, for example, um, that it is a more literal interpretation of deconsecration. Um, so that space um, did quite literally to them, hold that holy, you know, sacred energy. Um, and and when, as that relates to, um, you know, potential to demolish a building, um, some arguments have been made that, you know, you can't fully deconsecrate a building until it's been demolished. Um, but of course, there's plenty of examples across the state of Catholic churches that have been repurposed after deconsecration. So um, it's it's really interesting because you're dealing with these kind of big existential questions of what makes a space sacred? You know, who has the right to claim sacrality over a space? And um, what does it mean to remove that from a building and, mm. and repurpose it? Mm. Well, let's go to the phones here for a moment. We have a call from Wendy in Burlington. Wendy, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my call. 
I think I just want to affirm as a resident of Burlington some of what was just described. Um, and I was struck by a story that I think I heard yesterday about a church community in Setford donating their building to be repurposed as a community center with a focus on communities of color. And I think this is the kind of creativity and innovation that could happen with the Cathedral Church in Burlington um, if the diocese were willing to entertain that. And I find quite absurd the claim that um, there is concern about potentially non-sacred activities happening in this building that's now been deconsecrated. Um, and I, I just feel that the, the church should look inward and think about um, some of the non-sacred activities that have happened under their roof. So I would love to see uh, there be more thought, more creativity, more innovation in use of the cathedral and the surrounding space. And I, I do agree also with the wonderful points that have been made about the architecture and the green space. Thanks so much. Thank you for your call, Wendy. Um, and I, I actually do, we have a clip from that story that you mentioned about the church in North Thetford. It was reported by my colleague, Lexi Krupp. Um, and the the church community recently donated uh, their property to the Northeast Farmers of Color Land Trust so that they could convert it into a community center focused on the needs of people of color. And the congregation still meets there once a week. Um, the the church couldn't be converted into housing for various reasons, but they did want it to serve the community. And here is the pastor, Bridget Farrell. I can remember lots of conversations about what if we don't have a church? Where will we worship? And my answer to that was, well, when the time comes, we'll figure that out. You know, I mean, that wasn't weighing heavily on my mind. Um, you know, like God will provide. We could figure that out. And you can hear the full story about that church in North Thetford on vermontpublic.org. Now, let's dive back into this conversation about the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception. Um, Ron, environmentalists have have joined the preservation cause because there's this, this stand of more than 100 locust trees that um, that surround this church that many folks, and not just environmentalists, but, but many people say should be preserved. Um, right now, that green space is surrounded by a chain link fence, though, so people can't actually go in and, and enjoy them except from from the sidewalk. Um, but can you talk a bit about the this this green space um, and why you think it's important to be preserved? Well, I think in general, uh, you know, all, all across the nation, um, we're discussing uh, the benefits of, you know, for urban cores having a green space, you know, the carbon neutrality of trees or, or better. the uh, So we have that existing, you know, we have a city hall park that's a few blocks away that's been largely hardscaped and, you know, it serves another purpose, but we've lost trees and, and grass and stuff that was there. So I think what struck me mostly is that this is like an urban park. You know, the design is interesting and the landscape architect is a Vermonter. His son's a Vermonter and still works in landscape. He's not an architect like his dad. But it, all these things combined create this, what I think is just a really great spot in the space in Burlington. You know, a lot of developers are like trying to get higher buildings or something with a public good and they create pocket parks, you know, and, and they iterate all the benefits of that. But here we have a giant park with a hundred mature locust trees that's very shortly going to be historic you know mm -hmm. in a couple more years so yeah. i don't know i think it's definitely a shame to yeah. lose 
Well, to play devil's advocate here, Ryan, what do you say to the folks who, you know, look at this space and say, you know, you could walk a couple minutes to the waterfront park, you can drive 10 minutes and be in the middle of the forest. Um, what the city needs is housing, not, you know, 100 trees. Yeah, I mean, that's a valid argument. I know we are desperate for housing, and that's a, a very complicated conversation about impacts of the colleges and all these other things and the impacts on neighborhoods and historic neighborhoods. Uh, it's been an ongoing since I've been here since 1998, and it's an ongoing conversation with everybody. Um, and I think there's opportunity. You know, the state's offering $50,000 grants for turning uh, accessory buildings into accessory dwelling units. So people are getting $50,000 to turn their garage into a housing unit, you know. Um, and again, that's been a big thing in Oregon for a few years now. The Their ordinances are encouraging that sort of thing. So we're looking at other creative areas. So I won't argue that we don't need more housing. We obviously do. Um, but you have to weigh the loss of certain things against the gain of other things, you know. Well, let's go back to the phone lines. We have a call from Robert in Burlington. Robert, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. So um, this is about the trees. Um, I remember um, that other uh, Catholic property, The what was the orphanage, and then it became Burlington College, and then Burlington College died, and it got uh, bought up, and it's developed. It's housing now. It's Cambrian Rise. I remember driving up on North Avenue one day and seeing two or three majestic huge pine trees lying on their side, their pine sap dripping to the ground, crying out for justice. And, uh, that, you know, like as Treebeard said, those trees were friends of mine. Um, there's just no reason for that stand of trees at the Immaculate Conception Cathedral uh, for them to come down. Uh, uh, they may have to repurpose the building. They may have to tear the building down and put in housing. But leave the trees, for goodness sake. Well, well, thank you, Robert, for calling in and for the, the passionate Lorax vibes. I think it's shared by, by many of our listeners. We've gotten a couple other calls on, on this exact topic. Um, let's go to Phyllis in Charlotte next. Phyllis, you're on the air. Go ahead. Phyllis, are you with us? Oh, did you say Jules? Excuse me? Oh, um, we're, we're going to come back to you. Um, let's go next to Heather in East Callis. Heather, you're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, hi. Um, I just uh, wanted to <laughs> put my two cents in and agree. I really agree with the previous two callers. I think they said it all. Um, I would be really disappointed <laughs> to see the uh, that the trees come down, the green space be lost, um, and the building be lost. I think that their value is, um, you know, just <laughs> there. It's a beautiful refuge space, and I'd love to see it stay in the public sphere somehow. Um, and be repurposed. I think it would be a really big loss to just trans, you know, to get rid of it all and and put up housing. Yes, we need housing. It doesn't have to be right there. I think you can't overestimate um, the value on mental health and emotional well-being to see and have access to that kind of beauty and the trees and the birds that come because of the trees and benches and places to just, you know, a place to just go. Mm -hmm. um, 
and that particular architecture is is really beautiful and very particular of its time that there isn't you I don't see see that anywhere else so I just want to see them keep it I think it would be a huge loss yeah well well thank you for your call Heather um we also got an email on this topic from Chris in Middlebury who writes the historic church of the immaculate conception uh was a welcoming structure. I think he's referring to the previous church that was there prior to the the rebuilding. Um, There was a different church with a different style in that same spot. Um, Chris describes that church um, as having steps that led directly from the sidewalk to a great arched door. The current church, Chris writes, is a defensive structure. It hides behind rows of trees. The doors are small and recessed, and the windows peer out like squinting, fearful eyes. Very descriptive description, Chris. It's beautiful, but I don't see how it could find a useful role in this downtown location. Ron, what are your what are your thoughts? I, I think Chris might not be a, a brutalism lover as you are. <laughs> I think that um his his I understand his point. And of course architecture, well our whole ordinance uh tries to encourage a friendly face to the street and a welcoming presence. Um, and this could present challenges. I was Listening to the callers, and I'm thinking about the loss of uh, of a church, of any church, you know, and the, as that community gathering space. And I know in Preservation Burlington, we reached out to the parish early on to just offer our um, opinions and expertise and try to draw in interested parties, and, and they've had a number of, of offers. Um, but I think we miss the opportunity to plan as a community what this space could be. You know, so I don't have the short answer for that, but I do think rushing ahead to erase something and then in the hopes there's no plan for the future for the site. So in the hopes that something will be built, it, there's no nothing, no housing's proposed, nothing's proposed. Just mm-hmm. demolish it, and you know, across the street is a pit we've been living with for a bunch of years now because there was a plan and it wasn't a successful plan, and then it was just all tied up in court. And I just hate to see that happen again right over, like, a block away, you know, especially when we can take the time to sit down as a community and say what best serves the community with a, an amazing space like this. Well, Rachel, just over the river in Winooski, there is another church uh, where a similar debate is being played out, the St. Stephen Catholic Church. Can you describe this church for us and and what's going on over there? Yeah, it's historical in another nature. It is um, from the turn of the century and um, has marble quarried in Rutland. Um, So it's you know, a lot of people who live there see a lot of value in and have fond memories of growing up and seeing it there. Um, the church is arguing that it needs to be demolished um, for uh, to consecration purposes, um, while community members do not feel that that is a fair um, thing to do and they should repurpose it instead. So that's kind of, you know, happening as we speak. There was uh, the the zoning board ultimately decided to approve um, their permit to demolish, um, but then a group of citizens uh, had a protest uh, or signed a, um, a, a you know to to not have that happen, and instead um, they had a um, appeal meeting on Thursday, February sixteenth, um, to kind of learn more about the side of the the uh, community members who kind of argued that um, it's not necessarily clear, and maybe you can speak to this more, um, what the 
uh, historical significance is, according to the state. Um, and actually, just recently, I think in the past day or so, um, the zoning board agreed to hold another meeting on the 16th um, to kind of think through what exactly is the historical significance of the building and if there would be any complications in demolishing it. Mm. And Ron, have you been following this as well? I have, yeah. I have friends who are involved, friends of mine that live in Winooski, so we've been chatting about it as it, as it, as it occurs. Um, it, 1906, I believe, yeah. it was built. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, Rutland Marble, it's Gothic revival. It's a beautiful building and a prominent position in the town. And again, as you know, we mentioned earlier, I'm a preservation contractor, carpenter, you know, so in my ideal world, I throw very little away. You know, it seems a waste to throw things away that have been built. It's waste stream and all kinds of carbon footprint topics, but um, a conversation. So can that space be served as something bigger and better as housing? Um, again, it's the ongoing the ongoing conversation, but it's definitely a historic building. It's well over 50 years old. It's made with Vermont materials. You know, it just speaks to the history of our state and and the different religious organizations that, that practiced all over the state. You know, mm. I, it seems like a waste to erase these things, you know, and then put pictures of them somewhere, you know, but well, let's go back to the phone lines. I, I do think we just got another caller back we had uh, lost earlier, Jules in Charlotte. Jules, apologies for getting um, your name wrong earlier, uh, but you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I live in Charlotte although in a tiny house, although I would prefer to live in Burlington as I had previously lived in Burlington. Um, but there's just no um, housing and no affordable housing. And to me, one of the things I love about living in Burlington is that it is close to so many parks. It is close to so many natural areas. And I think I hear the passion that people are speaking about preserving the historic building and the passion that people are talking about preserving the trees. But I also think there's a justice piece to not having housing in our city. And the other piece is when we don't have dense inner city housing, we just have a bunch of sprawl and all the trees that come down when you have sprawl in South Burlington and Essex, like it doesn't, um, I think that's a lot more trees being cut down than the locusts. And I just, to me, the priority in Burlington right now is to build more housing, build more affordable housing, especially when there's just such a shortage and the vacancy rate is so low. Hmm. Well, Jules, thanks so much for for your call and those those points there on the importance of of housing in the state. Um, I want to take another call from Anna Cronin, who I believe is calling in from Dirt Church Brewing, which is a church um, or a, a organization that that uh, Rachel you included in your recent article for Seven Days. Uh, Anna, you're on the air. Uh, thanks so much for for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about your business? Sure. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Appreciate it. So my partner Bruce and I opened the doors to Dirt Church Brewing Company um, in August of 2021. We had the opportunity that was um, unique to us, but not unique to many of us during COVID to really assess what was important to us. And um, we had a really major lifestyle career shift. Um, It was always our plan to open a brewery one day, um, kind of our 10-year plan. And COVID had this really funny way of making it our 10-month plan. And so um, we've been going strong for a few years now and uh, really enjoying serving our community and being part of the Northeast Kingdom here. And um, Anna, 
earlier in the show, we, we talked a bit about how, um, in Burlington at least, the Catholic diocese doesn't want its former churches to be used for secular purposes. Now, being associated with a brewery, to me, definitely seems secular. Was was there any community pushback about um, about kind of your repurposing of this church? You know, it's funny. I do. I get asked this question uh, rather frequently, and I think that seeing what's happening in Burlington um, makes it a little bit more relevant. Um, and and to answer your question, I haven't really experienced a lot of pushback at all because our church, which was Methodist was built in 1856, and it was a seasonal building. There's no heat. There's no plumbing. It was updated at some point during the bicentennial year in the 70s for electric. So it's been very much kept in the same condition that it was in uh, when it was built all those years ago. Um, It sat vacant for about 20 years or so, Um, and so just seeing someone bring back some life to it has been the response that I'm seeing is that... The church is being used once again as a community gathering center. Um, you know, instead of having it be religious service, it's community, cultural, and social gathering. Um, so it's still very much in line with what its original use was. Well, Anna Cronin with Dirt Church Brewing in East Haven, thanks so much for calling in to today's show. Um, let's go to Paula in St. Albans next. Paula, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I belong to a church in St. Albans that, I mean, all of these churches are unique. The caller who was just talking about repurposing the church for a community center is perfect in a small town. East Fairfield has done something similar with their meeting house, um, you know, and has refurbished it and is still in the process. They hold concerts and whatever. However, I belong to the Congregational Church in St. Albans, which is a beautiful, old, kind of Gothic, neo-Romanesque, you know, uh, church that was brick church that has the same architect that did many of the buildings at Shelburne Farms. So it's this beautiful, old, historic, but very costly to maintain church with a small congregation. At the time it was built, Mm -hmm. it probably had a congregation of about 300 people, or Mm -hmm. 250 Mm -hmm. anyway, uh, with a full-time janitor, probably coal fires that were maintained all the time. And of course, over the years, the coal is gone, and now we have piped in natural gas, but still massive, very expensive to heat. And Paula, we're about to have to go to break. Is there one more thing that that you'd like to share about the church before we before we go? No, not really. Just how much we struggle with the cost of maintaining such mm. a beautiful historic building, and we agonize over what to repurpose it to. Right. Well, well, Paula, thank you so much for for calling in. We also got a question via email from Jen on the same topic. Uh, Jen writes, I'm curious who pays the maintenance for these facilities while the community discusses what they feel should be done with the space. I can only assume it's the owner's responsibility. This could be a significant amount of funds while they wait for input from the communities. Um, Rachel, have you... Have you dived into this this topic at all in your reporting? Yeah, it's really interesting to hear about like what these spaces can be used for and, and how they can you know serve the community in a different form. Um, in Ferrisburg, for example, recently the Ferrisburg Center United Methodist Church donated the building to the town. So the town is um, 
maintaining it until they figure out the purpose. And they're holding community meetings to figure out what would be most useful and kind of looking at that. Um, so there's lots of creative ways to kind of figure out how to use a church in a way that that benefits the community. Another example is in Marshfield. Um uh, a Catholic church was repurposed to a bakery. Mm. Um, and this is very recent. And the owner of the bakery shared that the the folks who used to attend services there were really pleased that it did not get torn down and were, you know, there was um, some sadness over the fact that they couldn't attend services any, there anymore. But overall, they felt excited to be able to um, still be able to visit the church. Mm. Well, I want to dive right back into the phone lines for this conversation about churches because we have a call from Ann Manor McClarty, who moved to Saxons River with her husband, Jeff, in 2021. And they are in the process of remodeling and living in an old Catholic church there. Ann, welcome. Hello. Nice to be with you. So, okay, tell us, how did you decide to buy a former church to live in? Well, Jeff and I had been looking at unusual buildings for several years. We had considered some schools and different things like that. And um, we actually thought we were going to move to Vermont and not do another renovation project. We've done some in the past and really enjoyed it. And we thought, no, let's just settle down and and rest and enjoy our community. Um, But just as we lost another house during, you know, the early COVID when so many houses were being sold in Vermont sight unseen, we happened to come upon this church offered in Saxons River, and I remember hearing Jeff downstairs. He said, "Uh-oh," <laughs> <laughs> and I came down. I said, "What are you calling?" He was like, "Look at this church," and it was absolutely, you know, perfect for what we had been, you know, wanting to do in the past, and just didn't think we would do in Vermont. So we found it. So, so what is your vision for this property in the future? Well, our church, unlike some of the others that I've heard referenced in the story, is a little newer. It was built in the mid-century, mid-20th century, so it's a, you know, mid-century modern, as people say. (laughs) It is right on Main Street, so we're next door to a historic church. Um, There were people in the town who really, really loved the church because they were community members here, others who, you know, thought the building was different looking, and what we've got in mind is live in part of it to have uh, my consulting business in part of it and just studio down in the basement. So we've got sort of three things going on in one space, but we made the decision we would just move and jump in. So we moved in with a working kitchen. We had, you know, church style bathrooms, but at least we did have bathrooms, unlike some of the other buildings I've heard you mention here. And we've just been living and renting and fading in it. We've been here since March of 21. Wow. And and lastly, Anne, you're not the only repurposed church in the village of Saxons River, right? There's a couple others. No, right here on Main Street, there are three. So the Catholic Church is right next to one that is now, uh, which is our home, is next to the one that is a um, community center and has the daycare and senior services and rental spaces, really nice community kitchen in it. And then at the end of Main Street is um, a church that's been converted into our historical society. Hmm. Well, Anne Manor McClarty, thanks so much for calling in and telling us about your church renovation project. Um, let's go back to the phone lines. We have a call from Charlene in Southern Vermont. It looks like Charlene, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. Um, thank you for taking the call. Yes, I'm in Southern Vermont. I'm in a very rural area, and we've had a Catholic church in this town, um, which was heavily promoted by the Diocese of Burlington way back in the 50s. I was baptized in it. And a new church was put up in 66. The rub with the new church is that 
um, which is obviously old now, is that the land that the church is on belongs to the family who deeded the land to the Catholic Church to build the building. But when the Catholic Church, should it ever close, the land goes back to the family. Hmm. But the building is still owned by the Catholic Church. And on top of that mess, the diocese um, is in charge of everyone's money. No matter what we earn or have or endowment, the Catholic Church takes that money. We had um, my fourth grade teacher who passed away many years ago, left a very huge endowment to our church, thousands of dollars. Thousands and thousands of dollars, enough okay. to keep us floating forever. Okay. And the diocese has just literally this week put a paper up on the door, even though we've been closed for almost two years now, put a paper up on the door just telling everyone um, that everything in the building and all of the um, monies now belong to another church. Oh, wow. So I guess what I would like to see is that the family, the congregation, who is still very connected with each other, even though we've closed, and the diocese sit down and have an honest conversation about what would be best for this community with this building. Well, Charlene, thanks so much for that call. And, and your your call for a community conversation um, brings me back to this dialogue that's going on in Burlington. Um, Ron, what, what do you feel like are next steps for this, this Cathedral of Immaculate Conception? Like, is there going to be a, a community meeting or gathering, kind of like what Rachel attended in Winooski, to, where, where lots of different folks can figure it out? Or is it going to be settled in the courts? I think it's a combination, right? So we're already involved in the courts. But uh, since this has become a, a, a well-known issue, we've had the farmer's markets reached out to us as, in support of keeping the green space in town and utilizing it. Um, a group of interested parties uh, are really would like to turn it into a, um, an event space. Um, that includes, well, it just includes a bunch of people. You know, a lot of prominent people in Burlington have reached out to Preservation Burlington to offer their support and ideas. So right now we're trying to organize that community conversation and try to engage with the administration. You know, does the city want to take over the maintenance of it? These buildings are expensive, and if it's not mothballed, it'll get worse. And um, Yeah, so this is a broader community um, conversation, and we're starting that right now. You know, we've had a lot of people reach out to us. So I look forward to that. That would be obviously our preference, mm-hmm. to sit down with the parish and people in the community and and people with the pockets to be able to make something happen there without bulldozing it. So, Well, let's take one more call while we have time. We have Todd in Northfield on the line. Todd, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hello. I'm almost a little surprised you got to me. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I, I am. Uh, I, I have a lot of re- relevant background here. I've served uh, on a historic preservation board. Uh, I'm a, a, a contractor that's done a lot of historic renovation work, including churches, multiple churches, and uh, I'm also a former minister of music. Oh, um, Dad, we should have had you as a I'm, guest on the show. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm. What I'm surprised. What. Let me refocus. What I am most frustrated by here is what I hear a lot of people saying about getting the uh, uh, about the housing situation. Well, let's do it somewhere else. I got to tell you, I've lived in Vermont for 23 years, and I've and I've lived other places, and I've seen NIMBY, but not like I've seen here. The bottom line is, where are people supposed to live? 
I care deeply about old buildings. I care especially deeply about church buildings. But one of the fundamental problems that, that modern Christendom has, and, and again, uh, New England is the epicenter of this problem, is the confusion, and you've said this all the way through, the confusion of a church being a building. No, it's a church building. A church is a congregation of people who believe a certain way. Mm. And that's a large part of the reason why churches, why churches are closing. Right. Because they've missed that mission for generations now. Well, well, Todd, I'm going to jump in here because I, I do think we we hear your point about this importance of housing and, and about the nimbyism, the not-in-my-backyard feelings that we, we do hear oftentimes when we talk about development, uh, particularly in city centers. We got a, an email on that topic from Nathan uh, who writes, absent from all these conversations is the cost to the surrounding area of not repurposing. Thousands of acres of farm and forest land in Chittenden County have been repurposed as housing in recent decades, in part because there has been almost no development in Burlington. A tree saved in Burlington is a tree killed in Williston. Um, Rachel, you know, as we as we look forward on these conversations, is there one example maybe that comes to mind of a of a town that you feel like you know they they really got this right? They figured out a way to use this old religious building um, and and provide a, a real need while preserving the the physical space. Yeah, I think um, it was really cool to hear more about the community center in Arlington that's forming. Um, and th- they've really put a lot of effort into revitalizing their town. Um, and they, you know, the, the, the church that's the former Catholic church is really in the center. So they are looking at what the community needs, like what's missing in these third spaces that are otherwise not there. Um, and, and they've had yoga classes there concerts, you name it, they're using that space for it and it's being used um, to fit whatever needs comes up for the community. So that seems like a really um, fitting fitting use. And I think these questions about housing are really important, especially when we think about if churches can potentially be reused for housing. Mm. Um, and I look forward to learning more about examples of that. Right. And Ron, there's there's so much more to say about this, um, this church in Burlington, the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception. But I want to end our conversation with... Um, with a, a quick nod to your to your work as a, a carpenter and a person who who works in um, restoring these buildings, is there for somebody who might be in a in a small town where there is a church and they're they're involved in these conversations? Um, what what's a suggestion that you would have um, as like a, a first step for somebody who who wants to make sure that a, a place a building gets gets act adequately preserved? Yeah, I think um, especially in the conversation about monies, you know, uh, the Preservation Trust of Vermont does uh, overnight workshops. One's called uh, Sacred Places, and they talk about grant funding, and they teach people how to do fundraising for their buildings um, as as a group. If they're, you know, a, a lot of times it's a grange or it's a church that became a grange. So that's one source to go and find out about monies that are available, grant monies, and also through the state, depending on what the use is. So really the conversation has to start with the community, but once they decide there's some avenues for funding that that help they'll realize those dreams. Hmm. Well, we are going to have to leave the conversation there for today. Ron Wanamacher is the acting director of Preservation Burlington, a historic building technician and an exhibit builder at Shelburne Museum. Ron, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We are also joined today by Rachel Hellman, a reporter with Seven Days. And if you haven't read it already, you should check out her story. Vermont's old churches offer potential for new enterprises if they're not demolished first. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. 
That is all the time we have today. Check out the Vermont Public Instagram page to weigh in on our show. Today's show was directed by Jen Jarecki. Our show is produced by Tedra Meyer and Andrea Lorian. Our managing editor is Matthew Smith. And our call screener today was Rick Barrett. Our theme music was composed by Myra Flynn. I'm Michaela Lafrac. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again soon.